Hi. Slava Ukraine. Heroem Slava. How are you? Um, I'm uh, I'm busy. Good. Uh everyone's alive. That's good. So that constitutes a very good good. Yes. And okay, I think. Yeah. How are you? How are you? How is your loved ones? Uh, I'm okay. Um <laughs> I like your answer actually. Yeah, everyone's thankfully alive. Um so it's been yeah, interesting week. The longer it gets, doesn't doesn't get easier, does it? Uh yes, but uh, also we're setting up into I think this routine that uh, a lot of Ukrainians now have developed because everybody everybody has their own lives going on, you know, their war, their jobs, uh what they've been doing. But uh now everybody also is a volunteer whether you're inside Ukraine or outside. And uh, everyone centers themselves into this everyday work with a very specific goal. And uh, I think it helps uh, a lot of us not to, you know, um, not to fall into all these uh, emotional um, wells. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Stas, uh, we have uh, one rule Uh, for our featured Ukrainians. Um, we never introduce them ourselves. Please introduce yourself the way you want it. Emphasize whatever you want in terms of what you're doing uh, these days. But also let us, uh, let us, uh, let us know uh, what your life has been before um, the invasion and what it looks like now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, right at the beginning, I wanted to say that, that also here with me is Maria. She's uh, uh, we're doing this project, Ukraine Explainers, together. Uh, hi, Maria. To... Hi, hi, <laughs> hello, everyone. Yeah, I just wanted to say this uh, like from the beginning, so everybody doesn't get confused uh, with two voices coming out of my avatar. Okay, so then let's start with Maria. Maria, uh, you heard <laughs> the question. Uh, can you, you know, introduce yourself to everyone else? Tell you, tell us what you do these days and how you know how your life has been before uh, and what it looks like now. Yeah. Uh, okay. So my name is Maria, and I'm a maybe I'm an, a co-author, maybe I'm an editor of Ukraine, Ukraine Explainers because this is a teamwork, I guess. Um, and also, right now, I'm a project manager of a one project uh from docu days it's an ngo ukrainian ngo and also this is a uh international documentary movie festival which was every year in kiev uh for 18 years i guess um so yeah i was working there as a communication manager and right now we have a new project you know we, we had to adapt to all this new reality and right now i'm working to launch a new project about war and because of war because of this cool uh this scale invasion full-scale invasion so yeah i guess this is me and also i wanted to add that uh Uh, we had a podcast about uh, climate crisis together with Stas, and right now it's on hold. But I'm really glad that all this, you know, podcast format uh, is leaving. 
Uh, and yeah, I think it's kind of important uh, to spread the world, uh, to spread the word on this format too. Yeah, I Maria, can I can I ask you quickly uh, where you come from originally in Ukraine, if you comfortable to share it, and if your family is safe? And okay. Yeah, yeah. Right now uh, they're safe, uh, luckily, and I'm from Kiev, and I spent there my whole life. Uh, Stas, go ahead, please. Yeah, so actually, like half of the things that Maria already told, I think I, I, I could just repeat because, yeah, we had a podcast together about climate crisis and we hope to continue making it after the war because right now it's obviously on hold because of the completely different priorities. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Stas. I was and is a UX writer. Uh, I'm a person who writes content for software products. Uh, yeah, and we also had this podcast and now during the war, we are making this small project, Ukraine Explainers, uh, that aims to basically explain quite, quite basic things, uh, in, in visually appealing and simple format of just cards, 10 cards per topic. Uh, yeah, maybe I can tell a little bit about, you know, how this project began. Yeah, and yes. maybe even, Stas, we always ask people sort of, I guess everyone's answer to this has always been that something really frustrated you in the way that you saw information about Ukraine being disseminated in the information sphere. So that's kind of always our first question, like what was the main uh, yeah, guiding force for you? Was there something, one moment in your life where you were like, I need to do this now because people need to know more? Or was this something that you've always wanted to do? Uh, definitely not something uh, I always wanted to do. Uh, I really wish to get back, you know, to, to normal stuff that I did. Uh, this is just something that, that we do together because we feel we have to. Uh, I don't think there was, do you think there was a moment when, when we realized we need to do this project? Mm, I think that actually I think that it was a moment because we discussed a lot uh, how can we help and we really we really wanted to do more than just you know chaotic coordination and some chaotic random help um, so yeah we discussed actually the the whole situation on the um, on the media narrative and we also talked about, you know, like how actually people from Western countries, especially from Western Western countries, uh, understand this war and actually understand Ukraine. And we, we, we were shocked that a lot of people from there uh, didn't know a lot of basic information, the basic information, which was for us very simple. And we knew it since our childhood. We understood that a lot of these people uh, who write these articles, for example, in a big Western media, which we really loved and read like every day, I guess, before the full-scale invasion, uh, we understood that the whole focus of these uh, media were absolutely wrong and even, I don't know, even... Harmful? <laughs> harmful in some ways, yeah. So we understood that, okay, we, we, we need to change it. We need to change the focus. We need to ruin this um, pro-Russian narrative. Uh, and yeah, we, we should make our voice, Ukrainian voice, louder. So we understood that 
actually we're not like a bad researcher i think that we're good on the research and uh stas really writes very great text i guess so yeah we decided to make something like that you know just to change this narrative can i ask you actually a follow-up to this um as well super interesting uh what is like the top thing that annoyed you in terms of what like myth or what story or what narrative that you were seeing is wrong and you wanted to disprove and have disproved? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I don't think there was like a single one, but what comes to my mind is, first of all, th this this phrase of, uh, I understand you, but... Yeah. Th th this is like many, many online discussions that we had with people outside Ukraine. Uh, there was this... this uh, phrase that, that we heard a lot like i understand you're angry and I, I understand your emotion but and then there was like something uh contradicting contradicting to what we were saying and we felt that you know with all due respect you do not understand because your country is not being invaded and there's no genocidal war in your country and 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 these these you know these buts and and what came after were mostly poorly informed and I guess ignorant sometimes. And and another thing that, that comes to my mind is uh, th I think the amount of uh, the amount in, of information about uh, Azov Battalion and uh, just far rights in Ukraine at the beginning of the war. Well, it, it was insane because we saw how actually loud all this pro, uh, Russian narrative of Nazis in Ukraine, basically that Ukraine is being uh, ruled by Nazis and fascists. Uh, although a lot of people realized it, it was it was Russian narrative, many of them still kind of followed it up with questions and, and with uh, things like, yes, but aren't these claims partially true? Like, uh, is there a Nazi problem in Ukraine? And so we just realized that Things like that, me personally, I realized that, okay, there's a lot to uncover here and, and we need to do this in the most, like, in the simplest words we can so that more people can get these, like, dense, uh, easy explanations from real people on, on the ground. Yeah, and I also, yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to add another thing, uh, which we see a lot uh, right now, I guess, still, it's about how actually people from different countries who are not from Eastern Europe, they do not understand one very important thing that uh, all these countries which were under uh, Soviet uh, Union occupation, uh, there are different cultures, different countries with different history, with different um intelligentsia and different, uh, I don't know, artworks and so on. For a lot of them, all these are or were Russian people. And uh, it's also for us, it's kind of basic information. We know that we are different and this is different countries. But for a lot of people, especially from, uh, from USA, from even... I don't know, right. even Germany, France, yeah, it's kind of, you know, uh, we understood that, okay, we, we have to go back to the roots. Yeah, to basics. And this yeah. is something that we talked about, it, about the death of this horrible uh, term post-Soviet. 
mm-hmm. which is you know labeled uh, all uh, all former colonies, Russian colonies are being labeled, and group us uh, together with uh, you know with some countries we do not have anything in common anymore. But and it okay, it has been already over thirty years. So yeah. there are a whole generation of people who have nothing to do with Soviet Union, and they're still being called post-Soviet, which is, I hope, um, after this war, this term will finally die. Although, unfortunately, I, I think um, we still have a long road ahead of us. But guys, I wanted to ask a follow-up, uh, because you mentioned, I mean, in your explainers, and everybody can check them on um, your Twitter accounts or or at website, you set up a special websites. Uh, website is called UAEXplainers.com. And uh, specifically, in almost all of them, so for example, Stasi mentioned uh, about the uh, far-right problem, and you did fantastic mini-guide to Russian imperialism, which, you know, very channels greatly my attempts to mainstream Russian colonialism. But in each and every of them, you kind of also try to share your um, perspective. Why do you think that uh, wrong or misleading or outright racist uh, myths about Ukraine are being picked up by Western mainstream media? And I want to ask you that because as a fellow journalist, I don't want us to vilify other journalists doing trying to do their best at covering you know, and I know that some of uh, Western journalists that are listening to this specifically with this in mind, trying to do their job better. But why do you think they end up or some of them end up picking up um, those wrong Russian inspired narratives and how it does it trickles into mainstream coverage in the in the West of Ukraine? Mm, that's a really, really good question. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, part of the reason is, is just basic Russian propaganda because, uh, Russian propaganda obviously is not just, you know, Russia today or, or, or Sputnik. It, it, it's much deeper than that. And obviously we don't know how deep it is, how, how deep all these financing routes go. Uh, and I think they have made a horrifying but fantastic job of planting these narratives uh, of Ukrainian Nazis across every, you know, every point of political spectrum. You see them uh, basically anywhere you do your research, you're going to you're going to stumble upon uh, some form of of article or or deep dive into uh, the Ukrainian Nazi problem. And I just think that the fact that it's it has reached all these depths of internet, kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's like a self, uh, you know, a prophecy that, that uh, turns itself true. Uh, the more you say the, these things, the louder and the more platforms you use, and, and the longer you do that, uh, the more, uh, you know, the, the bigger are the chances that people are going to, you know, start viewing this point of view as, you know, uh, something that should be considered in the mainstream discussion. Right. Yeah. Well, and probably representation also matters because, you know, uh, this is, it hasn't happened uh, just today. It started happening in terms of 
Russia having always a bigger platform. You know, sure. this is what colonial empires end up with uh, a bigger platform. That's the, the definition of colonizer because they um, suppress our voices generation after generation. And then they end up uh, being heard more louder. And even today, like how, how many, like, for example, how many requests you get from, you know, foreign journalists to, um, to share your opinion about Ukraine or, you know, um, your analysis? Uh, do you get uh, many these days? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I don't think we were the ones, uh, like, we're becoming sort of influencers for maybe two weeks or something like that. Uh, but, like, mo most of people who reach out to us, I think, are ordinary people who are interested, who want to uh, to get a better understanding of the historical, cultural background of this invasion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of journalists... No, uh, we got some requests for more information, for example, or for like more references or very, very specific questions from different people from, I don't know, uh, from historians and from uh, some teachers, I guess. And we also have some, some, some kind of requests from people, from young people who are writing their, um, uh, how do you call it, uh, their articles for the uni. And they asked us for some references or like, could you find us the articles about this, this and this? And uh, of course, <laughs> we wanted to help everybody, but uh, we have a limited resources. So yeah, um, we also got them like limited kind of information that we could. Yeah. Um, guys, I know that this is for, as you said, accidental influencers, as I think many of us are right now. Um, accidental, not accidental, we can, you know, discuss later. But um, my favorite question, and just because I'm in my previous life slash current life, I'm a social media manager and in general, enjoy looking at audience behaviors. Um, I wanted to ask you, what has been your best performing uh, piece of content? Because I think it shows a lot about, um, you know, people's interests and reactions and behaviors as well. I think um, our, our guest, um, Maria, who's under Vinok Collective on Instagram, her top post, I, Maxim, Maxim, I don't remember. It was, a, I think it was around uh, language. It was around like why, like the like why so many Ukrainians speak Russian and the history of yeah, that yeah. and things like that. But it would be really interesting to hear uh, what your guys' uh, top performing piece of whatever content it is was and on what topic. Yeah, that, I think that's a that's a very good point. We also when we when we uh, look at the analytics and we see like. The amount of comments we also kind of try to understand what are the uh the topics that that actually uh have more resonance and and uh, not surprisingly the 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 largest uh, influence was uh, had the post i'm just gonna read the name of of that cards uh how the world got tricked into believing ukraine has a nazi problem and why it's time to eliminate russia's propaganda machine so uh Although we were writing like on on it, about different topics from Russian imperialism to to current things, but still this this uh, uh, 
media obsession with Ukrainian Nazi problem received much more attention than 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 everything else. Yeah, I think. and I I guess under this post were huge amount of like you know. Uh, very emotional discussions between different people we didn't even try to interrupt them because you know they tried to they arguing a lot about this thing they even change were like changing with some articles some videos on youtube some some like i don't know some theories hypotheses so yeah it was the most discussable topic i guess uh, can I ask you, because, oh my God, I have a million questions, especially because <laughs> I went through all of your cards and, you know, I can mm, sign uh, uh, under each of it. They're terrifically well-made. But, of course, one Thank of you. my most favorite is on Russian imperialism and colonialism. So this is something that we discuss a lot uh, with all of our guests, because all Ukrainians are so, so surprised that after uh, 350, almost 400 years of existence, Russian colonial empire is still not perceived by the outside world as a colonial empire. Totally. And in yeah. one of our, your cards, you guys kind of break it down and explain why why it has happened and why uh, Russian uh, imperialism and colonialism is different and how exactly uh, it led to uh, the rest of the world not basically seeing it. So can you can you do the same job, please, and explain uh, for us here um, wh what conclusions you have arrived to? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, actually... I think at the beginning of full-scale invasion, it was also something that, that we found, you know, surprising that this uh, optics of colonialism was kind of absent from mainstream discussions about Ukraine. While I think for many Ukrainians, even those Ukrainians who are not really aware of, of the term imperialism or colonialism, it, it's kind of a cultural knowledge. We, we know we were oppressed and, and we know that Russia has been around for centuries. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of why why Russia is not perceived as an empire the way uh, many Western countries are, I, I think it's a complex question. And partly it has to do with the way Russia acquired all its colonies, that it always invaded neighboring countries and it didn't go like too far abroad. Uh, across oceans. Uh, but I think even more important here is the Soviet legacy that, uh, you know, because Soviet Union branded itself as anti-imperialistic project and always opposed uh, Western imperialism, uh, I think people around the world still have this image of Russia as the successor of Soviet Union uh, being opposed to Western imperialism. And, and of course, this view ignores the fact that internal politics of Soviet Union were deeply colonial and uh, really repressive. I think the, the Soviet legacy and a lot of unpacking uh, that has to be done about the Soviet legacy is, is the main factor here. Maybe you want to add something. I just remember some 
tweet that you that you showed me some time ago. I don't remember exactly when uh, about the somebody from abroad wrote a, an article about uh, Russia um, and they they had a discussion about imperialism and that Russia actually is not imperial country. Uh, and somebody asked this author that, come on, if you think that it's not imperial country, look at the size of this country. How do you think it happens? Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, point because uh, this also kind of shows uh, something that a lot of folks are missing, that Russian state just uh, changed masks all their time, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Tsarist Russia, Soviet Russia, now Putinist Russia. But this attempt uh, to uh, attempt to uh, spill out propaganda and to hide away and to erase and to, you know, uh, mask all the crimes and colonial crimes that it did. It's, it has just centuries-long history. And, of course, if you're you know, spilling and spewing the same lies over the span of 400 years and you know, the rest eats, it up, eats them up, no wonder people are just uh, assume that some things uh, that are lies are true, right? Yeah. I have a question that we haven't asked yet on our Spaces slash podcast. And this, I think, is to all of you all three of you, including Maxim. We've been talking a lot about, you know, the work that we've been doing, the education that we've been doing, the sort of breaking down things that are natural to us, you know, things that we grew up with, knowledge that we grew up with, uh, breaking it down to people who may not know certain things, which, which has come, I guess, yeah, quite easy to us. But my question is, and obviously we don't have a 100% answer to this, and we probably need to do some more analysis and studying, but... Do we think we're cutting through the noise a little bit? And do you think that do you think that some of the things that we've been raising with people, such as Russian imperialism, Russian colonialism, you know, questioning the far right problem of Ukraine and explaining, you know, it by numbers what it actually is, everything we've been talking about, all the education work, do do you guys think uh we're cutting through? Maybe Stas uh you guys first and I'm sure Maxim will have a lot to add. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, I, I want to say yes, <laughs> of course. Uh, I think there has been some progress. And, and even uh, in the way what kind of materials are appearing in mainstream media, uh, I think it's th there are two factors that, that are working here. First of all, it's uh, you know all this work that that has been going on in in the you know media discourse and all these people like 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 the four of us like many many other people who do their share, uh, but also it's because of uh, the fantastic fight that Ukraine is putting against uh, Russia, and because Ukraine uh, hasn't fallen uh, despite all these predictions because it still stands two months after the full-scale invasion, I think it just, you know, created this space where people had to talk about it more in, in detail. Because if we, will, if we fell, like, in the first week of, of the invasion, I think th there wouldn't be 
enough time and space for for all these efforts to actually start uh you know making some changes so so yeah i think these are these are the main factors yeah i guess that we have some changes but you know it's it's very simple to fall into this illusion uh, because of our uh social bubbles and we see a lot of ukrainian voices in english uh even in media uh so yeah it's quite simple to 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 believe in this uh but uh i see some difference and i really like it uh especially i i i understand that some uh western some big medias uh journalists bloggers influencers podcasters as well they try to find ukrainian guests ukrainian experts finally because uh, a lot of them usually uh have an experts from from russia and you know they 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 know how to work with them they know these people but right now i think the this process the realization of um Mm, to make Ukrainian perspective louder and uh, that this is the actual truth, uh, especially when you want to do uh, a good journalism, for example, or a good product, a media product, for example. Yeah, you should speak to, to, to those people who should know the best. And right now, Ukrainians are now the best. Guys, I think I wanted to ask you something we often ask our Uh, featured Ukrainians, and is this related to Ukrainian identity? This is something we love to ask, and I and I know in your cards you also tackled a lot of issues related to, you know, why many Ukrainians speak Russian, or, you know, confusion about Ukrainian identity, and messiness of Ukrainian identity. So can you share, please, for you personally, What does it mean to be Ukrainian and how it has changed since the start of genocide? Because I know for a lot of Ukrainians, um, it's been changing uh, dramatically. So, yeah, maybe, Maria, you start first. Uh, yeah, it's kind of complicated question, I guess, because there are a lot of, you know, different layers of it. Uh, but I, 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 I'm absolutely can can tell that uh, uh, I'm not more Ukrainian right now than I was for sure because I was uh, the Ukrainian <laughs> Ukrainian uh, but the only thing that I uh, in my family I spoke in Russian because my, my family like Russian language speakers uh, e e e e even Uh, even that they are both of them are from from, from Ukraine, uh, but yeah, uh, my grandparents, one of them, are from Russia. Mm, but yeah, except of this, uh, I was a Ukrainian, very patriotic Ukrainian, and right now I'm I'm patriotic as well. But I realized that right now I became more radicalized than I was because uh, before this genocide, I was very. Um, liberal and even in some cases uh, pro-left uh, uh, with pro-left ideology uh, but right now I became more uh, radical especially about the military forces especially about the you know uh, defense of Ukraine Uh, because it's it's funny thing we actually discussed it recently together with Stas that 
before the full-scale invasion, uh, we really were anti-war and anti-military, uh, you know? Like, we didn't understand why, for example, USA have to uh, has to spend so great amount of money on their military forces. And right now, actually, we understand that we should do the same. And for me, it was a very, you know, big difference right now in, in myself. Uh, yeah, I, I think that it is. And of course, uh, right now I speak Ukrainian more. Um, I even, uh, I think that I, I can feel it better. I, I, I love uh, Ukrainians more than I love them. Of course, I, I had this respect every uh, every time to them, but uh, I must say that uh, before the full-scale invasion, we thought to move abroad for some time, you know, to spend uh, to to change this lifestyle and maybe to live in some more developed country, maybe change work or something like that. And right now, we we understand that the only thing, the only uh, actually place in this world where we really want to be, it's Ukraine and uh, our dear Kiev. It's complicated, and it, we definitely are not at this at, at a place to uh, super freely and and in a chill way. Uh, reflect upon it but one of the things that i noticed recently is is that i understood much more deeply this idea ukrainian idea of self-sufficiency what i'm talking about is that uh our our grandmothers grandfathers even our parents uh it, they are all very they, they all rely on their own resources they don't really trust the government or or state funds it, it's it's really part of ukrainian identity to hold on to their their own self-sufficiency in terms of food in terms of money in terms of you know uh personal connections uh all these things and i think before the full-scale invasion i was always a little bit annoyed by this and sometimes skeptical because i thought like come on people we need to trust uh, try and trust the government more we need to, uh, you know, uh, leave the, these uh, these uh, values kind of a little bit behind. But right now, I kind of rediscovered this part of Ukrainian identity, and I feel right now much more, you know, uh, dependent on this, you know, self-sufficient gene. I don't know how to call it, but uh, and and I realize that it's this is the, probably the same kind of emotion that uh our our ancestors felt and th during the Holodomor, during uh during the times we fought the soviets uh, for for independence and, and throughout all our history when we were oppressed people have learned to uh be self-sufficient and to value this this idea and i think a lot of people are now rediscovering this emotion because again we are being, uh, somebody's trying to exterminate exterminate us. Yeah. And yeah, we, we, and we have a... to react. This is the first time in my life when I'm feeling so connected to the generations before me. That's something that I, 
you know, I told before that it's very hard to figure out your roots in Ukraine. And I'm like in mid my 30s. And this is the first time when I'm feeling 100% on the same page with all of the generations of Ukrainians that survived before us. This is and, such a powerful feeling. And, you know, like I was actually thinking about it. I don't know. This is like so cliche of me to do. But I was uh, I don't know why I was I was reading like yesterday, I think just some of Lisa Ukrainka's like um, poetry because I was writing a, a post as well about, you know, how the spirit of resistance has been guiding her for her whole, you know, creative and in general life. And I was also like, obviously, Taras Shevchenko, loads of um, Ukrainian poets and, and stuff like that. And I remember like learning it in school and being like, oh, yeah, you know, sounds like these people were like really brave and strong and, you know, super powerful stuff. But then recently I was like, oh, my God, I like, now I know why they were the way that they were and why they wrote what they wrote. And it makes sense. And it makes sense on a level that I can't put into words in a way. Like it just makes sense why why generationally Ukrainians have been essentially talking about all the topics we're talking about today, but just for a very long time in different forms and different, you know, from from poetry to literature to art to anything possible. Uh, it's just so, I don't know, as you said, like so connected to to the way that I feel right now that it's just quite, I, I don't know, I can't even describe it properly. But yeah, thanks guys so much um, for, for bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only agree with all that you're saying because I get this. This is exactly what we've been feeling. Also, this, uh, you know, extremely deep level of understanding of past generations and and Tarasovchenko and Lesya Ukrainka, uh, all all these things that we were taught in school and that we know and that we feel on some level. But right now, they they are just you know. I don't know. They, they they're opening up in in the ways that I'd never actually thought they would open. Yeah, and actually, our the words of our national anthem right now, I don't know, have much more sense than it than it than I got it. You know, because right now I really understand these words, and it's and they are very close to me, super close.
I was yeah. just uh, side messaging Maxim on WhatsApp to say that I don't know why I'm actually getting goosebumps from this conversation because I know you know how I feel and it's just this very bizarre feeling that I've experienced a couple of times over the past month and a bit when you know when you're talking to someone who you haven't met in person and someone Ukrainian and you just get each other and I just think that's like one of the most beautiful things that have happened um since the beginning of this full-scale attack invasion war yeah and i think this conversation could really enlighten people who are not ukrainians uh into uh, about the simple matter why russia is so ruthlessly waging this genocide on ukrainians because this awakening that we're feeling as ukrainians about our roots about our oppression about of centuries of colonial rule over us and this awareness that we're experiencing this is uh, the sound of colonial empire cracking and they're so scared that this will spread and then other nations that were colonized or are still colonized by russia will start feeling the same and will start feeling the same awakening so for them it's easier to exterminate as many ukrainians as possible uh rather than allowing this to continue and to basically uh end this fucking empire uh which is totally deserves and i think it will end um thank you so much um i think uh we've been honored to have you on uh on ukrainian spaces and uh i hope uh, you know it was a, a bit of therapy session for you as well sure sure and thank you as well for doing this i think you're you're doing an incredible job with uh, ukrainian spaces and it's such an important uh, initiative to to spread our voices and and you know give more platform for uh, uh ukrainian perspective yeah Yeah, uh thank you very much and uh, from the beginning you asked a question about what inspired and uh, what inspired us uh and you as well and I understand that uh a lot of Ukrainians almost all of them uh and you as well inspired me really because these people and you also are absolutely amazing you know like impossible people and uh, you ukrainians are a real superpower yeah and this is something uh, i want to also tell, tell tell you guys this is something we shouldn't be apologizing for or ever because this is a story that we all shared at some point of our lives many times we felt like we're inferior or that we must to check some boxes to become european or call ourselves european and this is the moment where we all realize that we are living those european values um and th- this is not something we should be ever be apologetic about it or think that we're not worthy yeah we should stop self-censoring ourselves um moving forward and speak what we actually know as you said i think it was super important both both of you said there's so many things that we know and have known since school since before school that now is just really the time for us to tell the world all of that in a way that is accessible in a way that is inspiring and in a way that mobilizes support for our country because i think at the end of the day everything we do is to be able to stop 
this war to, uh, as Maxim says, dismantle centuries of Russian colonialism and put an end to this once and for all. So uh, thank you so much, guys, for the work that you do um, and for sort of, you know, being there for other people to learn and, and get resources from you. So thanks a lot. Yeah, and for everyone else, please use and claim Ukrainian spaces, especially if you're Ukrainians. Uh, you can use that hashtag on Twitter, uh, just suggest us topics, Ukrainians to feature, or just share what aspect of about Ukraine or being Ukrainian you think should be decolonized for foreigners. And Ukrainian Spaces recordings also exist as podcasts. Find them on Spotify, together uh, Ukrainian Spaces as one word, and the same on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate them. Uh, we want make uh, we want Ukrainian voices to trend on the podcast platforms as well. And also find uh, uh, us on social media. Uh, we always share the work that Stas and Maria do on regular basis. Um, uh, Valeria on Twitter, Insta, in TikToks and me the same. So thank you so much once again. Slava Ukraini. Heroin Slava. Heroin Slava. Bye-bye, everyone.